and welcome back to Attack of the Queer Wolf. I'm Mark. I'm Michael. I'm Nay. Hey. And tonight, we come to you from the fourth world, where all the best people have bad chests and bone diseases, and it's all frightfully romantic. (laughs) Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, I'm Kate Winslet. Yes! (laughs) All right, everybody, you know what we do by now, so let's skip the pick exchange and drinks and get down to business. Uh, With us tonight... <laughs> is a very special guest. She is a pop culture critic and podcaster whose work can be found in The Hollywood Reporter, Teen Vogue, Paste Magazine, and Pajiba. Her podcast, Getting Out, an Oral History of Black American Entertainment, just launched its Patreon page, so look for that. Nice. And her first guests include former editor of the LA Times film section, Marc Bernardin. Bernardin. And, uh, <laughs> <love that> <laughs> and producer of American Horror Story, The 100, and Luke Cage, Akila Cooper. Please welcome Joelle Monique. Hi! Hi, guys! Thanks for coming. Thanks for for picking a good movie. Yes. We don't watch rewatch bad movies. There's rarely a point. You're really, you're really helping us out. (laughs) No, really. I mean, you did us a solid month. (laughs) I mean, when when I I was just like, I'm gonna look up this nice woman for doing this to uh, thank you. Thank you. I was like, I liked you before I even met you. Thank you. My my pleasure. Well, here we are. Hi, guys. Hey. Hi, Mark. Hi, Michael. Hi, Nay. <laughs> hey, <you. laughs> and with us, as always, lest we forget, is our intrepid producer and uh, Diello, who slays his nannies, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel so seen and honored, and I do look exactly like Orson Welles. You really do. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible to deny the resemblance. Uh, I thought you were going to introduce Kennedy the dog. Well, Kennedy is... <laughs> Look, he gets more airtime than I do anyway. Yeah. Not possible. He gets, he, gets a lot, he gets a lot of Instagram love, I have to say. He does. Uh, you not? Shall we just launch right into tea time? Mm-hmm. What's everybody been watching? Reading? Listening to? I mean, you know, it doesn't, we don't have to limit ourselves here. <laughs> I just finished uh, Binging You. Oh, nice. I did too. It was everything to yeah. me. Loved it. Uh, I love the way it explores uh, toxicity in multiple perspectives. Uh, I love Penn Badgley as a creep. Penn Badgley's Twitter during the Netflix craze of rewatching you was just a beautiful <laughs> space where he was telling the girls, please don't fall in love with serial killers and stalkers. It's not healthy. And they were like, something you got to say. Apparently. We will sacrifice ourselves to be with you, which I mean, they're repeating it this week with Ted Bundy. Exactly. Oh, so creepy. I watched Ted- I watched two episodes of the Ted Bundy thing and then I was like, I'm done. Yeah, I couldn't get through the first episode. Yeah, wasn't there a Slate article recently that was like, Ted Bundy wasn't hot, he was just a white Republican. That girl killed Yes, Yes, it was amazing. (laughs) She killed it. She went on uh, AM to DM and talked about it too and I was just like, mad respect, let the girls know. It's not healthy. Really great article. I can't remember her name. Who wrote it? I can't recall. Uh, but yay, I follow her on the Twitter. So do I. I'll reshare the things <laughs> on the Twitters. <laughs> okay. What else? What else for folks checking out? Well, Mark and I watched Poison Ivy. We sure did. At the new yes. Bev. Oh yeah. It was amazing. It really was. Your pictures from yeah. there are so cute. They are cute, right? <laughs> oh my god. Also, I just want to make sure everyone can tell the difference between these two black girl voices because <laughs> I know you've never heard two at once on this show. So. I know. Don't play, don't play us. I really oh, I, I don't understand. We sound exactly the same. Michael, what's happening? <laughs> but yeah, Poison Ivy, that was, I'm so happy to watch it as an adult, of course. Um, but you know what? Like, 
what is always most uncomfortable uncomfortable for to me oh wow this sentence is the most uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) what's always most uncomfortable for me in a movie theater is usually the crowd because i just can't deal when men laugh at certain things that aren't funny Mm. I'll be like, that's not funny. That now that's not funny either. Ew, no, that's not funny. So there was a little bit of that. Is there a lot but, of that going on? Uh, well, in a theater full of, of men, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's you know, the, I mean, the New Beverly is definitely. A, and I, we love the New Beverly. We love it. Yes, but you know, I know if you're if you're, you're, you're yeah. a my, wow. Ken, wow. dog on a table. Wow. It, Ken, Ken, look at this, like a boss. Yeah. Kennedy, get your ass down. He get literally out. just stepped oh, no. on <laughs> He just stepped on a phone. <laughs> Kennedy. <laughs> he just stepped on the speakerphone. Kennedy, don't make me pull my black mom voice out, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I love him so much. I wish we had video. Um, <laughs> as we were saying. <laughs> and now he's just sitting in a chair like people. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. He's the best. Listen, so you know, cute. we love the new Beverly, but... But, you know, it's it's very white, very male, very straight. And but I will say, you know, we had a conversation about this where I remember going uh, years ago and seeing certain like vaguely like homophobic things happening in a movie that that was going on. And, you know, the audience was laughing in a way that it was like, are we all in on the same? Are we all laughing for the same reason? I don't know. Mm And lately, I found that, you know, it's much more of a, a laugh where I go, oh, they they get it. So, you know, there's, I think there's room for growth and room for change. But yeah, I completely understand why you would feel that way. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah. I did a triple feature of uh, Unbreakable Split in Glass. And during Split, you know, when McAvoy is portraying a woman, there are a lot of like, Teehees, and I was just no. like, he's so dedicated to this role and being a woman in this moment. Like, there's nothing funny about anything that he's doing. Yeah, there's nothing camp it's about very it. Very weird. He's really great. He's so good, and he's hot. He got all like what thick happened? and amazing. <laughs> Listen, I don't know where they find these trainers to make these guys go from like fours to tens, but it's a beautiful <laughs> gift to all of us. <laughs> like, worship it. Thank you, Wowzers. Michael B. Jordan. Between films, like Lord. <laughs> So good. <laughs> He's going to be back at Killmonger. I don't like it. <laughs> he died. He had the best death line in the history of cinema. And they're like, he's coming back. I'm like, as a ghost? I don't want him to be alive. Like, I'm sure Wakanda was like, we're just going to fix you. But Listen, boo. ordinarily, ordinarily, I'd be like, I, that's rude. Mm. He died, and that's not okay. But if we get another shirt, let's see out of absolutely. it. <laughs> that chest is ribbed for your pleasure. <laughs> I hate you know an Aquaman, but I'm looking forward to part two. <laughs> I am willing to overlook narrative discrepancies yes. this one time. Totally. Yes, there's right. no narrative discrepancy with Michael B. Jordan. It's fine. It all makes sense. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone he says anything, I'm going to be like, shh. It's Michael B. Jordan. Stop. Uh, Michael, what have you been watching? Um, I haven't really been watching anything, but I had another athlete deep dive recently. Oh. And uh, BJ Colangelo, a friend of the show. Yes. And Ryan Larson, another friend of the show. They're going to be super happy that I'm going to talk about WWE wrestler Finn Baylor. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like can't stop looking at pictures of this guy. Oh my god! Let's go. I mean, all of him. (laughs) But the reason I wanted to bring him up is because. The WWE, again, mm-hmm. maybe like the new Bev of old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very white, very straight. Yep. Probably leans right. He is the first uh, wrestler in the history to, in the history of the WWE to have a LGBTQ line in his like apparel mm. that is done through the WWE. 
Um, so I thought that was really cool. I actually like was like deep diving just on pictures of him and I was posting them on Twitter and BJ <laughs> messaged me a picture of him in his shirt, which is his logo uh, in a rainbow. And the line is called for everyone. And uh, I immediately ordered the shirt. I was hoping I could have it here tonight to wear. You, you know, he didn't but, wear it first before he sold it, right? What? Never mind. Um, Oh, I know. I already bought a bottle of his sweat, but I did it. He doesn't sell that. I looked, but, um, um, but yeah, so I did a deep dive into him and he's like one of the first in the, the WWE to actually really use his platform in a queer way. Even he's a straight ally, but he uses platform in a queer way. And I was watching video clips of him today talking about like what his goals were as a wrestler. And he said he doesn't really care for titles but he he ended up being like the universal champ and as soon as he won that the first thing he did was start pitching this line to the wwe i want to do this i want to do this and it took like two years for it to happen he said it kept getting turned down and then stephanie mcmahon caught wind of it and she i guess essentially was like with him went in they're like you guys don't have a choice you're doing this oh snap so then last year at uh SummerSlam, he brought a bunch of queer people from in New Orleans, in New Orleans, part of the, I think the New Orleans LGBT Center. I don't know if it was the employees or not, but he brought a bu- like 35 queer people with him as his entrance. So, oh, dude. yeah. So that was my little deep dive. It went wow. from like having a total crush on this guy to like having a really big crush on this guy, <laughs> but for more than like physical reasons. Okay. So give him a look up. So that's what I've been watching. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to talk about a movie that's not out yet, but is going to come out later this year that now I finally, I got to see an early cut of it recently. And then it just premiered at Sundance to what I, what I believe were just rave reviews. Neon picked it up. It's a movie called The Lodge. <gasps> and I heard about this. Yeah. And it's directed by Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz of Goodnight Mommy uh, fame. Uh, they directed that. That's a great movie. Terrifying movie. And I got to see The Lodge a couple months ago, and it scared the living shit out of me. <laughs> People are comparing it to Hereditary. I Ooh. enjoy Hereditary. I loved The Lodge um, because it's old. Sc- <laughs> it's just ger- <laughs> very Teutonic. Tough, like heavy family horror. It, it is gimme. Yeah, it's really <laughs> fucking scary in a way that sneaks up on you. Riley Keough is so brilliant in this movie, um, and I don't really. It's definitely one of those movies where if you don't know much about it, the um, better. The better. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> yeah, all I can say about it is if you have an opportunity to see this movie early now, whenever. Oh my God, go, go to a preview, just anything. And um, I'm so excited. And also, I could not stop reading the reviews of Leaving Neverland. Mm. Yes. Fuck. Holy shit. I'm not ready. No. The R. <laughs> the R. Kelly doc destroyed me. And so oh, I'm still deciding if I'm going to watch the Neverland When does the, two questions, when does the Lodge come out and when does Neverland premiere on HBO? No idea when Neon plans to release the Lodge yet. Uh, Leaving Neverland is going to air on HBO in the spring. Got it. Well, <laughs> chills. Yeah. And that just premiered at Sundance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, the word was pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. So. Yay. All right. <laughs> Brennan, yes. to lighten the mood before we talk about our main event. Okay. I would like you to discuss one La Llorona movie. I actually, I, I slacked this week. I've been a little busy. 
but I do. I want to take the temperature of the room before I tell you what I watched. <laughs> I'm going to tell you three words, and I want to just know your instant reaction to them. And those words are Bridget Jones's diary. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Nate. Okay, Nate. Sorry, I thought of Renee Zellweger. Oh, okay. And so that's why I made that noise. No, why I'm does sorry. Renee make you uh? I. We can get into that. She's just annoying as fuck to me. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Oh. You don't like pinch her No, cheeks? Oh I want God. her to shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> Which I realize, like, fuck me. Who cares? Like, I, it doesn't matter that this person's voice annoys me. And I f- usually feel bad for disliking someone's voice because it's not something they can control. Mm-hmm. But I often dislike people's voices and, <laughs> and like, cannot spend time with them because they it just grates at my nerves. Can't spend time with them. <laughs> and I'll be like, mm-mm. No, so I'm sorry. No, that's, no, worries. that's my okay. reaction. So the feeling I'm anyway, from the on, room Renee. is mixed, but I hated Bridget Jones's time. Nice. Has oh. anyone watched it in the past five years? No. You have. Yes, no. I watched it clearly last in 2018. Yeah. Okay. No, but this, this is another one of those early 2000s Hugh Grant movies where he plays somebody's boss who then <laughs> oh. like it's definitely falls sexual in love assault in at work. Quotes. It's it's very gross, very creepy, and that's not the only reason to, that I didn't like this movie. Obviously, I understand that it's a very iconic movie and people enjoy it. it. <laughs> for for certain people, I don't know. Listen, straight but, ladies with their wine are always going to be really into Bridget true. Jones. Yeah, but, and, with <laughs> their frosé. Yes. And as a lady, you know, like sometimes I can just jump over faulty things. Just hop right over the the problematic <laughs> situations. But there's so many. There are a ton. There's She's got an eating disorder. Bridget Jones's <laughs> mom's casual racism about the Japanese. Oh, totally. Bridget, Bridget Jones is running around tossing semi-slur homophobic terms about her gay friends. It's going to age about voice. as well as Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, but, but also still enjoy it. The entire soundtrack of this movie is, if you're thinking of a mood, literally the first song you think of is what they chose. So we get All By Myself. Yep. We get Respect by Aretha Franklin. Yep. We get two instances of Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Oh, and wow. literally there's a scene where with Bridget Jones's mom to the tune of me and Mrs. Jones. It is. It's like, it's the most literal interpretation. It's the suicide squad of rom-coms in terms of <laughs> soundtrack. It's. But she runs out co- in her underwear and they kiss in the snow squad. and it's so romantic. I'm kidding. <laughs> is it? It's not really. Like, straight but it's people like aren't friends. romantic to me. <laughs> Listen, it's like, like. I know I'm wrong. But. I do. I do. But <laughs> it's like yeah. Friends. Friends is like. Oh, oh God. God. I started oh. watching that this week. It's oh, like an ambient. I should have talked about that. It's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's I like, loved that show when it was on. I'm like, what the fuck was I watching. It's so anti-gay. It's yeah. so homophobic. It's so much sissy panic. There's Literally every episode. Ross is a gaslighter from episode one oh, until yeah. the finale. I was, I was watching worst. Friends. I never watched Friends consistently when it was <sighs> on and I was... Such a whiny asshole. I was babysitting <laughs> my nephew for an hour and so I just punked it on while we were playing a game. He loves to do this thing where we he sits on the bed and he loves to be shoved over and then sits <laughs> up so again cute. and shoved and he sits up again. He the TV and he shoves it over. Lo- he just loves to be <laughs> like pushed and like and then stand up again anyway we watched friends and i was like this is fine this is wallpaper whatever and you know no but i mean listen lisa kudrow brilliant Brilliant. but brilliant and it was an episode where uh was it ross's son uh he's a barbie yes and he spends the entire episode trying to talk his son about having a barbie and i was just like yeah i don't know was anybody like 
I don't know. I, I can't remember. Was it. anybody in that episode like? To, I mean, like, the, the, the lesbian, yeah, the lesbian the moms, moms were like, like, "It's not a big deal." Yeah, like, we asked there. for this we're Barbie. Phoebe, Monica, or Rachel, yeah. like, chill out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much every Monica woman in the show was, was like, right? "What's yeah. the okay. point of your?" But not the, the women on that show are great. Yeah, they are problematic they as do. well. But well, I mean, but it's it's just a great like just show if you need to turn it on. I like not pay attention to anything. I love putting on friends when I'm writing. You just pop up, you know exactly where you are in space mm-hmm. and time and what's happening with yeah. the crew, and then you just go right back <laughs> in and do stuff. You know, you put it on and drink alone, it's fine. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Can I, I just want to ask one question because I feel like uh, it's going to take the temperature of how I tend to talk about heavenly creatures. Does anyone watch The Magicians? No. 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 Okay, then it's not going to, fans. <laughs> is it just premiered? If you're, <laughs> yes. If you watch The Magicians and you ship Elliot and Quentin, you'll, un- especially in season four and what's happening with them right now, you'll understand my feelings about heavenly creatures. Well, I'll, I'll explain it a little later. Well, with that, yeah. um, why don't we launch right into it? Okay, so Two Nights Film was director Peter Jackson's breakout film after his brilliant earlier efforts, Dead Alive and Meet the Feebles. Launching the careers of both Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky, this film tells the true story of two girls whose relationship goes from make-believe to murder. Guys, it's Heavenly Creatures. Here's the trailer. Dun, dun, dun. We have decided how sad it is for other people that they cannot appreciate our genius. Mrs. Reaper, may I come in? Your daughter appears to have formed a rather unwholesome attachment to Julia. We're not going to be separated. (laughs) I know what to do about Mother. We don't want to go to too much trouble. Some sort of accident. It's all frightfully romantic. Ah, uh, okay. So, Heavenly Creatures opened in 1994 at the Venice Film Festival, where it won the Silver Lion and became one of the best-received films of the year. Uh, reviewers praised most aspects of the production, particular attention given to the performances by previously unknown actresses Winslet and Linsky, and, of course, for Jackson's direction. Uh, the film received an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Screenplay, which oh. I believe was a collaboration between Peter Jackson and Fran... Walsh, his wife, Walsh, right? yes. Yeah. Um, so before we start, I just wanted to know, Joelle, mm. why, I mean, I don't need an explanation because oh. this movie rules, but mm. like, why was it your pick to uh, talk about on the show? Uh, for many reasons. One, I am a Paul, uh, through <laughs> and through, uh, got, she has scars on her legs. I have on my back from where I've had back surgery. Uh, I was in love with my best friend in high school. It was very confusing and a lot of emotions were happening. Uh, I was weird and very angry for no reason at all. It was very hormonal. And like every time I watch this movie, I'm like, listen, I don't want to identify too much with someone who murdered their mother. I love my mother. She's amazing. But I see Paul's point pretty much the Amps, whole way uh, through. Uh-huh. Uh, people are like, what? Like, no, Paul makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and then second, I'm uh, obsessed with fantasy films. Uh, it's all fantasy, every genre. And then for Peter Jackson to imbue so much otherworldliness in here, so these unique. clay features, uh, and so uh, great. it's weird and ugly, but and also like scary really cool. Yeah, and, and then yeah. gorgeous all of a sudden. And, yeah. and I, I like the way that he took all of the childhood kind of fantasy things from from toys that are your size you can play with to, you know, the unicorn kind of fairy lands. I was very into Lisa Frank as a child. <laughs> um, all of that kind of comes pushed together. And then he surrounds it all with, like, the way teen girls create their own worlds. Um, and I, I can't recall another film, a little bit 13 maybe, but... 
there's there's no film that better describes how girls create their own earthquake. <laughs> okay. Yeah, <what's> <laughs> like, what is happening? There's a lot of shaking happening. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Winting girls are alienate everybody okay, else. Teen girls. <laughs> <laughs> they're rising and they're they heard, amazing. They, they heard you. They were like, yes. <laughs> you say something. So yeah, that, that is that is the reason I chose. Uh, those are a lot of great reasons. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, yeah, let's get into shady summaries. All right, oh, who's shit. first? Who's going to be first? I mean, I didn't prepare one because I don't have a shady summary because I thought the movie was perfect. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> my shady summary would be <laughs> see the eyes I'm shooting You're right just, it's, I am I've been reduced to a, a small pile of dust in the chair it'd be like two uh, hormonal <clears throat> fragile on the edge girls decide to kill their mother because they might have to live apart for three years hmm Yep. This is what happens when you don't people let people live. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> there you go. So you get smashed down every time. I have a creative endeavor. No. I like this person. No. I don't want to go out. Stay inside until you're happier. None of the parents' rules makes any sense at None. any point in this film. Yeah, so there's dumb. There's a lot of parental oppression in this movie. Yeah. Hey, how about you? You know what? Okay, so when you were like, shady summary, I was like, oh shit, I literally forgot <laughs> to do that. Because so you then, liked it so So much. then Michael looked at me and I was like, no, not me. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then Mark so cool scolded story. me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I scolded you. So now I'm going to yeah. scold you. No. I mean, I will be unfazed, but. Well, you know what everyone's punishment is? Everyone's punishment is they have to listen to mine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that going to be another, like, sonnet of singing? <clears throat> well, what happens when I have to do a shady summary for That's a movie that I love, I don't, I can't be bitchy about it. Oh, okay. So I have to just make a gag out of it. Why so, can't you be bitchy about it? I don't it? know. I just, I just, I don't find it. Okay. I just right. don't find it. You it's just, not me. Okay. Okay. So, um, for this, I, uh, did a little thing to the tune of Eleanor Rigby. Yes. Oh. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had strings, but I don't. Heavenly creatures is not on iTunes or Netflix or Hulu or Prime. <laughs> Lesbian crime. What did we That's watch it on? So yeah, Mark, YouTube. YouTube. We watched YouTube. it on YouTube. YouTube. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, on YouTube. it's yeah. free on YouTube. You don't even need we, YouTube bread or nothing. For the first time in the history of the show, the three of us actually watched the movie together before. That's so yeah, awesome. An episode. And the two of you hadn't seen it. He's seen it like a bunch, right? Yeah. Correct. And yeah. Nana got scolded online for not Ooh, seeing yeah, movie. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's a classic. We got a two star. We got a two star review from some some queen got mad. Okay. Well, listen, just because somebody hasn't seen a movie doesn't mean they won't see it or that they don't like it. It doesn't mean their queerness is any different. Also, someone that does not have my job does not get to tell me I'm not qualified for mine. That is also so true. That's just how I feel about that. Oh, shit. Snaps. We live on the internet. Everyone's telling us we're, Mm -hmm. you're not trained enough. Sir, I went to college. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) Sir, I am six figures into college debt. (laughs) (laughs) Just for film. Leave me be. (sighs) Well, I, you know, sort of, I just wanted to. (laughs) Facts. We're laying them on you today. I kind of wanted to just uh, sort of direct the conversation less uh, in like sort of 
directing it, but more like ask a couple of questions, then everybody can just sort of talk about how yeah. they did or did not relate to the story. Absolutely. I mean, obviously you relate to it on a variety of levels. Through and through. But I wanted to know a little bit more about everybody. Uh, does anyone have any childhood friendships that smacked of, oh, oh, homosexuality? <laughs> Talk about those that lip close oh, up. The most revolting mouth. <laughs> like, it's yeah. right there that you just want to slap everybody in this movie. It's like Everyone here is terrible. Awful. Go to hell. Um, <laughs> uh, childhood friends. Yes. Like I said, I was in love with my best friend. Like, we were the only black girls in middle school. That's not true. There, there was one other one. She was cool. We, we kind of hung out, but like Camille <laughs> and I were like this. And, and especially the whole ideal of being like sister wives, which is my favorite. Again, oh gosh, nobody explains these things to young girls and they need to know. Wait, like, that was a plot twist. That was not, ex- I did not expect that. But that's just how young lesbians fall in love because they're like, best friends first typically they're like really good friends or they're hanging out and then like we want to be like sisters i want your parents and we're always on the phone together and we're always at each other's houses and so people start referring to us as sisters but then do i want to kiss you it's a little confusing i don't know what's happening um and i i love like that that perfect age of like 13 15 where you're figuring things out you become a little bit like sister wives they know all of your secrets they know you know literally everything there is to know about you teenage girls know about one another when they're close everything the dirty things the good things the like weird one-off things and i feel like we sometimes get that in movies but it's all so often overshadowed by like and then one of them fell in love and what will their relationship be like now that the other one has a boyfriend or they're veering off in different directions it's the plot of 17 again and pretty and pink it'll just go on and on and on um but here you get all the way until the very end the friendship is explored nonstop. it's wonderful it's pretty great i never looked at it that way that's cool Sister wives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was so deeply closeted, even to myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, Kennedy. <laughs> Not me, the Kennedy dog. Kennedy Booty Up Harris. <laughs> Come here. All right, I just had to get my child together. Um, I, so the last time I was home in central Illinois, my mom was like, please go through this box of your shit and throw stuff mm-hmm. away because I'm going to do it for you. So I'm going through and I read these like, hundreds of letters that I had written, like that I'd received from my best friend in high school who was four years older than me. So when she went away to college um, and in Florida, I was like writing her every day. And so I never for a single second would have been like, I want to kiss this person or like I'm in love with this person or whatever. But reading the letters now as an old ass gay woman, (laughs) I'm like, bitch, (laughs) you loved her. Like literally every, I would write her every day Mm. and the end of each letter would be like 32 days till I see you. You know, like counting down always. And it's, it was reciprocal. Like she wrote me back. Like we, we were really tight. Um, That's so sweet. It is sweet. It just reminded me of your care package to your camp counselor. Oh, Mark's care package. Yes, exactly. I would send her hella care packages. Peak child homosexual. (laughs) Like truly. Like I think my mom was even like, "You're gonna okay." To my mom's credit, I think she was like, "Oh, you put a job. I guess we're doing this." Yeah. And my mom was oh, like, there, there's a copy of, what's this magazine? Honcho? <laughs> oh, okay, sure. And my mom was like, look at these two good little Christian girls just mm. like being pen pals. And at the time, May's that's mentor. what it was. Right. Like, but 
Yes, going back, I'm like, oh. <laughs> You're like, what does your tongue taste like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's so weird because sometimes I feel like I long for those days because it's kind of mixed with the idea of like anything can happen and like the possibilities of childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes I'm like, the, the hormonal chaos could not be possibly be worth it. <laughs> yeah, and it, like you look, I look back on it and get a little sad too because it's mm-hmm. like every like kind of similar as the nay, I was so like suppressing it, but mm-hmm. realized as I got older that I had crushes on friends mm-hmm. and they were never, those crushes were clearly never reciprocated. Mm. So there's like a tinge of sadness when you think about it. Cause it's yeah. like, you're like coming into your own, but you don't know it at the same time. And you don't recognize your feelings the way like your peers are probably recognizing theirs. Mm. And then like, yeah, it's like a one-sided street in a lot of ways, too. So it's just like, there's like nostalgia, but then there's also like, fuck me. I'm never going back there. Yeah, like, I told my crush <laughs> that I was like into her oh, you senior did? year. She was a year younger than me. It didn't go well. <laughs> she did not, she, it's fine. She wound up marrying her high school sweetheart. And they have four kids now, and they're adorable and beautiful. But it was definitely really hard to be like, this person I shared everything with for the past six years I was like, I just, I think I like you. And she was like, oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> not oh, feeling wow. it. I still can't tell people when I like them. Oh, it's <laughs> very hard still. Uh, but then again, I've never liked anybody in, I just don't, I really feel like love is just not in my cards in that way. It's just uh, so much work. You have to really care about other people. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> what, if, what if I just went to bed and drank some hot cocoa? Oh my God, I still don't have the emotional support to be in a relationship. All of it terrifies me. You got to tell them the truth all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> stressful. Like, you don't. Okay. That's, that's not going to be a good foundation of a relationship. Uh, I mean, they lie in anyway. So you might as well lie too. Oh, <laughs> It's like in guessing. I just can't. Know. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I, I'm, I just want to sit and listen. Yeah. Well, I, I had I there was a kid in middle school that I we didn't so much like mess around or have like a, a thing. But uh, we would like sort of we would go to the edge and then just not do anything. So we would like I would go to his house. We'd play like Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh yes. <laughs> then we'd like get naked and, and like just sort of like. Oh hang out naked for like a minute and then we'd be like okay we put our clothes back on children are wild what and then (laughs) (laughs) would you guys like stare at each other yeah we would like it would be like it'd be like oh yeah okay all right yeah see what you got and then and it was like are you gonna nope are you gonna nope okay I guess we're gonna go you guys were playing uh, naked chicken yeah amazing (laughs) naked chicken and um, and then eventually, no, uh, like we both blinked essentially, and then uh, we would go on the couch and watch like Commando. Oh, God. Okay, wow. <laughs> Which I mean, you know, when mm-hmm. you look at it that way, it's kind of Freudian, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, that's going all the way. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So that was like that was the extent of. Do you? What is this person's life like now? Um, he is now in government in Canada. (laughs) Is he a homosexual? No. And he grew up really hot. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, you know, I'm ahead. Canon him is, you know, on the down low. That's Mm -hmm. going to happen. Listen, I, I, (laughs) I have no, I have no knowledge at all. And I wish him well, (laughs) I, I wish him well in his, in his, 
as as he trudges this this valley of <laughs> this vast terrain of terror. <laughs> yes. Oh God. Um, uh, so. It's interesting because when I was a kid, I watched this movie so many times. And I actually saw this movie the first time with my father. <laughs> Me too. Which, oh, that was a rough experience. Because I was just like, this film is well-reviewed and has gotten so many awards. Papa, let's go. So <laughs> <And laughs> was your dad your... Because my dad is my introduction into most movies. Like, yes. he is like a film like... Not a real historian, but like a historian. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I would put it that way. But we definitely went to films more often than I went to the movies with my mom. And, um, and you know, and it, it was like this or like safe, which I also like demanded he take me to, which it, there were like a lot of experiences like early on, especially if something had gay themes and I had no idea, like mm. a crying game. Good Yo, luck. Love it. It's <laughs> Holy so weird. Shit. Cause my dad, so my dad's no gauge, of, like what's appropriate for a child, like mm. at all. So I saw uh starship troopers when I was five. Oh my God. Yeah. Great and I was film. like very disturbed by the whipping scene. I was like, what's happening? And he was like, Chihuahua, it looks like a crayon. It's just flashing in the background. Nothing's happening. You know, that actor's fine. I'm like, fine. I'm like this is very traumatic. Okay, my, my kingdom for that childhood, because my parents, Parents wouldn't let me watch the movie Grease when I was like twelve. <gasps> to be fair, there's a lot of unhealthy <laughs> themes in Grease, and I get it. But damn that soundtrack, well, though. Sexual innuendo. Yeah, but they weren't like woke. Like, no, she's changing her entire self to please a man. You're <laughs> yeah, not yeah. watching this movie for those reasons. No, there was not for that reason. They were just like, like Rizzo's a slut. Yeah, they were like, there's <laughs> dancing. <laughs> Pelvic, from Footloose? Pelvic thrusts. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. But like. Jacques and Marianne were not into it. Both uh, played by John Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my god. Oh my um god. so I didn't, well, know, I didn't know that you had censorship like home censorship. I, I had, had to sneak too. everything. We, we weren't allowed to watch this. shit yeah. in my house. I snuck everything. My parents had MTV blocked. Wow. They like literally would call the cable company every year. Cause remember when the channels used to change numbers all yeah. the time, every time they changed numbers, MTV would come back. So they'd literally call the cable company and be like, can you block channel number so, uh, 37? I wasn't allowed to watch Fear Factor. Because thought you were going to be driven over the edge by like a white snake video. <laughs> I guess. What's that Fear Factor was I wasn't on- allowed to watch Fear Factor. Network. Really? That's and I was like old by the time I came out. I was like, I think I was going to move out in a year or something. My mom was like, uh, they're eating blood. That is the devil. She's like, That's, yeah, I was about yeah. to say, like, dad was like, this is dark sided. Yeah, dad was like, no, no. dark. Exactly. Dab. Can't walk outside without a Buddha flag hitting you in the face. <laughs> dark sided. Yeah. Uh, wow. Dark sided. I always thought my parents were so strict and now I'm like, oh, oh yeah. No married with children childhood. in our household. No Roseanne. Like, um, what were some other sitcoms you weren't My mom to is Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother would just leap across me at any sex scene. She'd just be like, no! <laughs> just a deep dive and just smack my face out of the ways I couldn't see. Because that's better. But <laughs> it's really not like I can hear everything. And I'm very aware that something shameful is happening, I guess. I very much internalize the shame of, like, sex is something we do not talk about it. You don't look at it. Keep that way over there. And then I moved to Boys Town freshman year of college. And I was like, oh, it's so Oh, honey, the sex scene's over now. People I are just being shot over and over you can watch again right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, the violent part it's they were wild. like whatever I'm like I can read the bible but I can't watch this yeah. and the what bible is, kills billions yeah what is more violent than the bible like I don't nothing. literally nothing literally floods the no my home actually if you replaced person. Dan with Jesus I grew up in the Connors home <laughs> <laughs> yeah dab and Jesus dab Connor dab and Jesus mm. yeah. um okay. 
Do, I have a chicken egg question. Yes. So, like, as queer people growing up, do you think that your parents knew on some level and that's why they tried to stop you from watching certain things Ooh. that they think would, like, trigger you? Because sometimes I wonder, like, I be, like my mother knew. Like, yep. she just My knew. mom told me she figured I was gay when I told her I was gay. Yeah. But, granted, I was in my 20s. But I remember specifically we were told we weren't allowed to watch Roseanne because Sandra. Martin Mole's character came uh, on. Right and they were like, Roseanne's going to have a gay boss, so you're not allowed to watch that show. <laughs> God. Wow. Like those are like probably the actual words. Yeah. So maybe all, all those blowjobs he was going <laughs> to yeah, do on the, the show. Like, the Rod Bell's lunch counter. Rod Bell. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I've never come out to my dad. My parents are still married. I came out to my mom when I was 19. She cried a lot, but because she was like, I told you you could tell me. I, was like, well, I wasn't ready to tell you, and now I am. And she was like, I just thought we were close. She was just more upset about the fact that it took me 19 years to tell her uh, than anything else. But my dad and I would talk about like how hot chicks were at like 14. So I just always felt he knew. I didn't feel the need to come out to him. Oh, my God. Like, Dabs, okay. bro. Taking me to movies. <laughs> dad, dad was really open to just whatever the hell was going down. He was, he's very much right with the flow. I was never like a kid to my dad or like a very tiny adult who should do what he says. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna grab some beers and i'd be like okay and i would come down and like watch the football game but not drink the beer is anyway he like we so no i don't know if dad definitely didn't mom maybe did but mom just, just kind of prudish she's just like don't watch sexy things i don't want you to see any of that i think she just didn't want us to be whores i think that was like her only stipulation <laughs> so, so, so don't be a whore um okay so i asked that question because uh, when i was a kid all i did was fixate on on paul and juliet Mm. But watching it now uh, at an older age, uh, I <laughs> I was watching the adults a little more in the film, and and what I love is an in Peter, the way Peter Jackson directs. The parents are in a horror movie about having gay children. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. they're it's like. It, he absolutely like leans into this idea that that's for them. That's the horror movie. And there, what's even like what I love about this movie is that it's so it's so brilliant the way he angles it that way. And he makes everything for the parents has to do with my God, our daughters are lesbians. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's like, no, they're disassociative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the fucking problem. <laughs> like they are. They have a tenuous grip on reality, and you are ignoring <laughs> the real fucking problem. And for 1994, I was just like, wow, that is an incredibly complex way to address the question of Paul and Juliet's uh, sort of lesbian attraction, lesbian relationship, which could easily, easily have been sensationalized in a way that's so kind of, it could have been really prurient. And I think that, you know, in other, uh, there's another version or two of um of this story like done in surprise surprise france uh you know, that <laughs> is like a lot more you know peekaboo kind of diaphanous robes and candlelight kind of approach to the material but you know this this movie really takes their love seriously i mean it's mm. really over the top but it They're feels true so i don't know um <laughs> So well, I don't know, for me, it works, but how, how does Well, there's the an interesting aspect to what you just level. said about the horror for the parents being having lesbian children. Mm-hmm. I kept thinking to myself, though, like, <clears throat> there is the dissociative aspect to them. But at the same time, I kept thinking, these parents are fucking lucky. They have 15-year-old daughter still playing princess. <laughs> like, they're not doing drugs. They're not drinking. They're not getting pregnant. You know what I mean? I'm just, like, thinking to myself. And they're, like, panicking about their behavior. And I'm like, Kate Wellens is walking around with a crown on her head. <laughs> 
playing like Shakespeare at 15. Like they should be super happy that there's like kind of an innocence about them still. I mean, at one point they complain about the fact that they're in their room writing. Yeah. And I was like, but ner- again, how dare you be wo- a woman I to learn was on your own? Paul, like I would just write all the goddamn time in my room. And my parents would be like, you want to like come out? And I'd be like, no, this is really comfortable in here. Like I just don't like people that much and I'm not really good at connecting with them. And you move me out here with nobody who looks like me. I just want to be alone. And I would just write stories or, or watch TV or, or consume movies or read comic books. Like my whole world was based very heavily just in fantasy and the idea of escapism as a, uh, safety route for kids who are othered is so strong throughout this film and so important. And again, something I can just identify with the idea of like my body is physically broken. And so I can't like do the things that the other kids are doing, which is very much my childhood. I couldn't, um, you know, as far as like trying to connect with the other kids and they're like, Oh, you know, we're going to cause I like just wanted to do all these kinds of things. I was just a very serious student, even outside mm-hmm. of class. Um, and I like the idea that fantasy here was seen as like, it was so positive. And the way Jackson progressed it throughout the film right. was oh so good. Like That's first so it's just little lighting and sound cues to be like, oh, something's like a little weird off. And what I thought was the most genius, he does that close-up of the horse pretty early on. Yep. And it's nothing is happening, but it's really magical. And you get the idea instantly of like, oh, this is ponies and fairy tale land. And the way it just slowly progresses until when they finally kind of consummate their relationship. And it's so vivid and real. And you have real people mixed with those clay people, and it's finally like a completed world for them. There's so many times I just wanted to like protect these girls from the monsters that were in their lives. And the idea that, you know, Oh, you're writing. That's a problem. Oh, you like want to hang out with a friend who has not in any way been a negative influence. Like, Oh, she's sullen. She's 14. Right. <laughs> Have you met well, any like other teenagers? Getting upset that she knows French properly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like all the adults are getting mad at them for like all these positive things. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with, they have their own minds and their own thoughts and they like just can't handle that. That's how the adult's character responded to everything they did. Like you are not allowed to go up to your room and write Missy. Like, yeah. Wow. I still had compassion for, especially Mrs. Reaper. Oh, I wanted all the parents to die. <laughs> I had compassion yeah, for Mrs. One. Reaper because it's like when Paul says, uh, you know, you ran away with dad at 17. Anna Parker told me, mm-hmm. and I got the impression that, you know, obviously, yes, these parents are not, prepared to deal with their daughters becoming women essentially and like sort of asserting their interests and their desires in a way that is foreign to them. But in addition, there was also like a sense that I, I, I got the idea that on some level the, the parents were also jealous of the freedom that these children had. Yeah, there was that clearly too, demonstrated and yeah. that like, uh, especially the know, mothers, Dr. Hume is like incredibly constrained in his job and his life. His marriage is like really punishing and weird. And like Mrs. Hume is just like, I love her. I love her. She's Mrs. Hume is living all of our best lives. Like, the, <laughs> like, said, I'll help you. Actually, I'm going to fuck you. She's, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play, Dr. I'm gonna play doubles tennis with she's my fabulous. fuck partner. Honey. <laughs> and then I'm going like, to move amazing. him in, in front yeah. of everybody. He's coming from the hospital. That man is not sick. Woman. Yeah. It's oh my God. amazing. So uh, great. I think all straight parents of gay kids are jealous of their kids on some level yeah why is that in my experience i think my mom as wrong as she thinks most of the things that i do are i think part of her is so in awe of the freedom she thinks i have in doing that and and i think that they're jealous i do think that they're jealous because i think to especially to be an out queer person you as much bravery as it shouldn't take Mm -hmm. To live your life that way, it just does. And I think that 
a lot of our parents, depending on the age they are. I know that for my mom, she just grew up being told, like, you need to be ladylike. There's all these politics mm-hmm. of respectability. Yeah. Like, I mean, no one in my family even has a tattoo. Like, there's just... I <laughs> my think- grandmother told me only people who worship the devil have tattoos. And when I got one, she cried. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So well, I think there's an extension from that that trickles down into the rest of your life as well. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's creatively, artistically, work, just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, we t- I think queer people tend to seek out the things they want to do yes. and don't suppress those wants and desires and needs because you kind of take a big step no matter what age you are when you do it and opening yourself to just possibilities Absolutely. and you know you you do that with everything as an extension mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and if your parents are living in a world where there's all kinds of th- i mean we all have all kinds of things we don't do for various reasons mm-hmm. but like i even have i have an aunt who won't wear uh, sleeveless shirts because she thinks her arms are fat so many i mean her arms are my fat. family but my arms cares? are fat and yeah. i i think even something as small as that in my family they see me with a sleeveless shirt and they're like, damn, she she going off, okay? Like, <laughs> her arms are out, you know? And I just, I feel like low-key, my family, even as religious they are, as they are, even as like, I don't know, all the things that they are, I think there's, there's a little bit of jealousy there. I'm but, sure yeah. especially when there's a religious component built yeah. in. I'm sure that's I'm, so absolutely. Well, Paul's that. mom, I felt the entire movie that she had jealousy. There was a little part of me that was wondering if Paul's mom was like a lesbian herself at one point and was wondering if the story was actually going to go there where we see some sort of sign that maybe she's jealous of Paul because she's a lesbian. Mm. Um, I mean, she's tied down to a kitchen 24 seven. You know, she's got these borders, mostly men. You mean that, the, the parade of twinks coming in and out of the house? <laughs> <laughs> parade of twinks. Um, you know, so there, I was wondering if the, the story was going to go that way. And ultimately, of course, it doesn't. But um, yeah, but I you think we're getting that. You totally see that jealousy when she has Paul like leave school in such like a whiplash moment of like, you're not doing well. I'm trying to write a book. <laughs> like, right. I'm interested in other things. Because the thing is like, I mean, parents, if you're listening and you have gay kids and, and you're confused or, or scared or whatever, I, I honestly think all the parents, and I, and I think for the most part, all parent reactions come from places of love. Um, and that anytime that there's frustration or, or friction, it's a problem of communication. None of these parents are able to communicate effectively with their children. She's just screaming at her. Every time she's upset with Paul, she immediately like bursts into hysterics and is like, why are you doing this? And I don't understand. Instead of asking her like, tell me more about your book and like, how is that going? And and why, like, why are you feeling English just to write a book? Like authors write all the time. They read all of the time. Like you can do both. Like let's talk about it. She never has any kind of conversations that would allow Paul to express her frustrations or why she's feeling That's the way that really she's feeling. Right point. She never once asks her what she wants or how she feels. No, because these people Ever. are not taught. They they weren't taught to ask questions either because nobody asked them questions. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, and that's the, the, that's the chain. Speaking of twink parade, 
yes. old boy that she hooks up with. Oh God. Okay. Talk, How it's old like is maybe that man? the most traumatizing straight sex scene. Right. <laughs> How old is that man? Is, that man are is we not led to believe? The actor was, the actor was okay. 31 when he filmed. Yeah. What? The, and the what, like what age is that person supposed to be playing? Someone over 18, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. 25 probably at the youngest, I'd yeah. say. I'm like, why are you mad at me? You need to go talk to this grown ass man. Exactly. That part was First so frustrating. It was so like, frustrating. I'm so, you I'm ashamed of you or you've broken my yeah. heart. Yeah. I was like, dad, what the hell? Like, like are you okay? Yeah. Did this man act? Like, what just happened? You just got raped or what? Like it's... the trope of the fast young girl mm. that we still hear about throughout these documentaries mm. that are right now. Like, and sadly, like, that's a realistic but that's, and that's a very realistic reaction. And that's what's yeah. brilliant about the movie is that the movie has so much compassion for these girls, for their relationship. It doesn't condone what they do. It doesn't, it's absolutely horrified. And of course, you know, kind of like mm. titillated by the, I mean, because the end set to, you know, the Madame Butterfly, you know, Aria is just fucking beautiful. And, it doesn't matter how many times I see it. It just takes my breath away every time they go it's on the that first time, It's such a great moment because this whole time they've been together idolizing these guys. Yeah. And when they consummate, um, Paul's shadow is of the guy that she originally wanted to put she, on the altar. She has the, the Orson Welles, Welles hat. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, it's, the, it's her shadow is projected on the wall. And then... All of a sudden, there's no more men singing opera. It's her. It's um. Uh, Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet. Yeah. yeah. It's it's such a beautiful moment of being like I'm done with men, which is how I entirely so read great. that. It, it is a lesbian so anthem that never got its a time. Well, there's a mm-hmm. really great aspect to it too, where I think if this movie was made today, mm-hmm. one of the parents would have the turnaround. You know what I mean? They'd, have that, the they'd have that scene where Definitely it's like, here's, here's the Oscar <laughs> moment for this actor. It probably yeah. would have been. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's Dr. the Oscar Dr. moment. Slutty mom. Yes. I love <laughs> the porn parody of Heavenly Creatures. Right. But there's Marriage like, counselor. Julianne Moore would have played her. Yes. Uh, but Get it. there's an honesty to that, too. Yeah. That there wasn't that moment for one of the parents to have redemption. Mm-hmm. Because for a lot of a lot of young queer people, they they don't have that parent that has that redemptive arc. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as my parents, you know, like accepting as they were, they never had that moment either. My mom still has it. My dad didn't have it before he died, you know? So, like, there's an honesty to it. And I, I really appreciate mm-hmm. that because too often we see these movies where it's just like the one like Nicole Kidman and Boy Erased, mm. you know, has the scene that you're waiting for the whole movie. Come to you. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, the entire third act of Love Simon is a chain of those scenes. Yes. Right. You know, so which is great. You at want, the same time, yes, it's amazing. The babies, they deserve the chance to see yes, themselves being accepted and exactly. loved and all of that. But it doesn't happen for everybody. Exactly. And I, and I think to show that is yes, important. Especially, you know, I don't know. It would be nice to actually see a movie like Love, Simon, where the entire third act is actually the entire movie. And it's mm. after that. Right, <laughs> the right. The whole movie's just people I'm just being accepted. I'm adjusted and I'm just being gay <laughs> in my gay life. kid, you know? Like, oh, man. Like, when you see black people and the movie's not anything about being black, you're like, what is happening? I, look, like, there's I, no church yeah. scene in this movie? <laughs> Bravo! Halle, Halle Berry and Flynn the Flintstones. She always... <laughs> She talks about how that was her first role that she got, uh, that the role had nothing to do with being black. Do you know why? The Flintstones was pretty much put together by a black female producer, and she slayed really that movie. I cannot remember her name. No, yeah, That's both great facts. You know, I'm obsessed with Halle Berry. Didn't we talk about the show? <laughs> we, uh, we talked about her. We talked about We talked about Kidnap. The Call is a good movie. Kidnap <laughs> is... A movie. It's it a movie. Happens. It's an entertaining movie. Well, and doesn't uh, Jordan Peele said that was like one of his main reasons for doing us right mm-hmm. where 
race is actually not going to be part of the movie whatsoever. It's going to be so interesting to see how that movie is covered because already people are like, well, what is like, what are the implications of this black family? And it's a black thing. And I'm like, George has been very specific about the fact that this is about individuals looking inward at themselves and it's not a black film. Um, I'm be really interested to read some reviews. Okay, because all those motherfuckers love to be like, uh, why are you bringing race into this? Mm Mm-hmm. And then they look at a black person and they need to acknowledge how they do not see anything that other than a black person. Like I have met a black person before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree entirely. Yeah. And speaking of that, like I, I was curious to see how this film was reviewed in its time. And I, I copied a a quote from Roger Ebert and I'm going to read it to you guys. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So like I said before, I'm from Chicago and Roger Ebert is my God. He is everything. The man loved movies in a way that was so pure. And he wrote beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I want to cry. He's so wonderful. He's a a legend for that alone. Hometown proud. Yes. Hometown proud, Roger Ebert. So in his review of this in 1994, which you can still find on uh, his website, he says, indeed, we can see in awkward little scenes in which they wrestle together or exchange (laughs) accidental, those are in quotes, kisses, that this is a strong, uh, that there is a strong connection between Juliet and Paul. But whether it is a homosexual relationship is not for anyone in this movie to ask or, or understand. I don't agree with my hero. <laughs> but I understand why he sees it that way. Gee, I don't. Because nothing about it felt accidental to me. The the sex scene, but the sex yeah, scene, no. the sex scene when they actually consummate mm-hmm. the I the the literal or figurative role play that's happening with the Orson Welles of it mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. I can see why he would be like, Peter Jackson isn't trying to categorize mm-hmm. them. He's allowing th- their relationship to be truthful to what they were, which were sort of, they were fabulous. They were not entirely there. And, and they were in, absolutely in love with each other. It was a complete, you know, folie de, but like, at the same time, it wasn't, you can't just call it a lesbian romance because 99.9% of lesbian romances don't end with a dead mom. So, <laughs> or do <yeah>. they? <laughs> or should they? Okay. Maybe 40% end with my mom died and now we can be together. I mean, but, I mean, but, I, but so like, I understand why he said that, but I also, I, I mean, please it's uh, an tell me why, you, why you a, disagree. Well, I mean, just because I felt like I lived that life and then I, sure. I was gay. <laughs> so right. it's, it's weird to me to be like, to see those scenes and then I guess maybe again, cause I see myself so much as a Paul, like it's, it's hard to imagine someone being like, Oh, the accidental kisses and, and who knows if they're gay. I'm like, those, those girls are having gay experiences at the very least. If they don't want to categorize themselves as gay, cause they're both still alive today. I don't, do you guys know what happened to Juliet after oh, this? I, okay. So I have a true and false game. Okay. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. Organized. So let's, we, do, okay, we'll, no, we'll, no, we will discuss. Okay. We will Sorry. discuss. Pumping your mic. Don't Sorry. You, don't you spoil my game. <laughs> I won't do it. I won't do it. You will never come back here, Joel. Continue what you were saying because it's so. In- I-, I love it. Yeah, just just the idea that it it reads so queer to me that it's almost impossible not to see it as that. Mm. It's and it it's fascinating to me that like 1994. I'm gonna go back and read more film critic reviews of that time just to see like what the general consensus was. Like obviously it was a well reviewed film and people thought it was beautiful, but on the queer aspect and especially when you read. I don't know how guys how often people read old reviews. I read them a lot. I will go to his site every once in a while and find something like a gem. Yeah, yeah. They the way film criticism works to me has changed a lot because back in the day it was like 
very strict. Like, you know, you keep your, it's definitely under a thousand words, probably closer to 800. You're going to start with like your, your concise breakdown and then a couple like filtered opinions. But like when I attack a film review, it's almost always from a socially conscious point. Um, I just very much a, a black queer lady. And so that's where I always start <laughs> off. And if the message doesn't hit me there, I don't really care how good the film is. The rest of, if you're mistaking identities, it bothers me. Um, and I'm curious, <laughs> just it does. I'm not going to be able to enjoy your film. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see how people took in the queer aspects of this film back in the day. If you guys have a good review and you want to send it to me, I'd appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, I didn't feel let down by Roger Ebert, but I did disagree with his point. I mean, I get it. I get it. I also think, but I, but I, it's weird. It's like, I see your point. I see his too. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess I just really appreciate the way Peter Jackson is willing to address the relationship in an honest way and not shy away from the fact that it, it, there, there was physicality to it. But at the same time, not, not being willing to pathologize anything about the relationship as being like a cause. What's crazy is if anything. this film was released today, it would get it it would be fine as far as like a lot of because even the you mentioned earlier the the sex scene between uh her and John, I think it is, between Paul and John, never sexualized in the way it's filmed. No. Nope. In the way it's filmed, she's never made to be sexy or confident or like even Lori it's all very much like that's a child and you should very much get away from her. This is so creepy and I don't understand it. And that and she I, actively like sort of dissociates to like yeah. get through And the that experience. scene of like having his voice come in and out and this idea yeah. of like I just really would like to not be here, which <sighs> happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um but like it Again, just the authenticity of it. And I, I feel like almost every scene I've seen like that, even when the movie's point is like they should not have been together because this age gap thing is weird, will in some way sexualize the girl or make her responsible for what has happened. And the fact that Jackson doesn't even come close to doing that in 1994, it's like kind of mind blowing. It really yeah, is. It is. Also, how many young lesbians have had sex with, with a twink, twinky gay boy? <laughs> I'm like I did. So many, see, so many. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I was in Boys like Town by 18. Femme. <laughs> yeah. A very femme. Boy. You know, they're like, oh, Twink Parade. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm a dyke yet. Why am I attracted mm. to these gay boys? Am the use, <laughs> especially. And I think I think even more now too. As you look at like Gen Z, late millennials, you know, and and yeah. they're very much been living you know in a post friends world where it's like hey it's totally cool for you to be like out and gay and like whatever your gender it is we'll figure that out it's totally cool uh a lot of those kids are like i'm not quite sure i am so i'm just gonna sleep with things that sort of resemble what i (laughs) might like and we'll figure it out along the way i think it's beautiful come on guys get it (laughs) i'd like to chime in real quick with the roger ebert thing yeah um because i think i think what he's responding to is that um, the two girls, all of their sexual encounters are kind of refracted through a heterosexual lens. Like yes. they're, they're role playing, like we are this king and queen. They're role playing, like I'm Orson Welles and you're mm. whatever. I'm James Mason. Deborah. It's, it's like, the Deborah. best. Buy yeah. me a Deborah. <laughs> Seriously. Okay, Deborah. Like, <laughs> all gotta chill. <laughs> I mean, if you, met, if you met a Deborah, would you be like, I'm in it immediately. Yeah. Like, Let's I already talk. know your drama. <laughs> and what housewife show are you on? Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. What's your tagline? Sorry. <laughs> 
because well because every part of the world that they create and the relationship between them is refracted through all of this other culture and everything that they're being fed and everything that they see Mm. and nothing that they see represents how they're feeling so they're creating something new but it's out of pieces of all these other things that are all heteronormative you just blew my mind a little bit because i I hadn't stopped to think about the reason they had to go through a heterosexual relationships to get to their lesbianism that is wild but it's but i i actually think i i I brennan i love that brennan i love that you brought this up because it's it is their identities, their fantasies are refracted through the media they consume. The movie actually begins with media. It begins with a travelogue. Mm-hmm. And it begins with Christchurch, blah, blah, blah. And it's oh, just yeah. so like, it's the most it's vanilla. So 1950s. Yeah, it's the most vanilla, <laughs> ordered, simple. And the movie, that story, like their story is literally video. born, like screaming, <laughs> ripping through that story. And it's, and that's like the most sane simple media that you those are the like the most calm images you see the rest of the film and it's just really interesting to see how i mean i don't know what do you guys make out of the choice of beginning with that not just i, I think it's not just to like introduce christchurch to like a larger I think audience. it was also a way to just introduce us to the time frame too because mm. it reminded me a lot of those old health videos you'd watch in grade <laughs> totally. school that were from the fucking 50s yeah. <laughs> teaching you about shit mm-hmm. um Oh my God! Have you ever seen the story of menstruation? <laughs> yes, I think it's so one? wild. Oh my God! Did you see the Disney the, one? Where yeah. The, Wait, if oh. you go to Epcot, there's like a little section. So my friend has the best story. Her mom was pregnant with twins. She's from the deep south, and they were like, "Well, we're not gonna tell our nine year old about sex." They just took her there. They walked out and left her with the movie. Oh my God! To try oh my to understand Okay, correct me. Sex from Epcot. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but the story menstruation is the one that features like uh, the she's like a young woman who it's cartoon. It's a cartoon where she has her first period and she sits in front of the mirror and she's crying yeah. because she's like she's hormonal, whatever, and she's going through it. And then her reflection like taps her on the shoulder and is like, "No, you have to put on a happy you face for." Everyone, it's so fucked up. It's a very it's sexist really perspective. It's like nobody cares about your period. Man, the fuck up. You're yeah. just like, oh, wow. okay. and it's like brought to you by Disney. Uh, it's oh so It's on YouTube. Jiminy Cricket, like it's on YouTube. It is something. Oh my god, else. I am literally gonna have the angriest, wildest period of my life. My next period, just in protest. <laughs> Of that shit. I'm, I'm calling my ovaries right now. I'm like, y'all better act up. Are you gonna, like, no. You're just going to like drive your car into a Target. I'm like, like, period. All that progesterone, <laughs> drop off right now, honey. I'm trying to be constipated and then diarrhea immediately. I'm trying to be angry. Ah, yes. Yes. Talk it about up. it. Fuck Let you, Disney. Know. Fuck you, Disney. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, before we move on to the little true and false game that I had I uh, set up, I want to talk uh, does about anyone else have May's future period? You'll meet her. <laughs> <laughs> You'll meet her. <laughs> She'll be coming around the mountain. <laughs> um, does anyone have any other thoughts about? I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to like shut down the conversation, no, no. but I mean, uh, I had a question. So I'm really fascinated with Paul's. Obs- I don't even want to call it obsession, but her love for. Uh, Mr. Hall? Is that his name? Doctor? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Dr. Hume? Hume. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Her, she has such a fascination with him. Yeah. And yeah. I love it because, because, um, I also like emotionally unavailable guys who are never really expressing anything about themselves. And I like the idea of her, cause you have to think about like, uh, and a lot of people brought it up, um, in the YouTube comment section actually, which I always will read. Uh, they Oof. were talking, they're like, I don't understand why. Paul is so pissed at her mother. Now, 
there are a lot of reasons for Paul to be upset with her yes. mother. But if you look at the four parents, they have an opportunity to kill. If they wanted to kill anyone, like Paul's mom seems a very strange choice. Like I'm gunning for that dad. No, I took it as she has no idea that he was the one that kind of started the rift but between the family. Why is that? Because he doesn't ever give her anything to go off of, of like, I'm encouraging she, like, calls you. Him, like, dad, right? She does. Yeah. I, so the way I'm seeing it is, the dad part is so much more about uh, Juliet and her desire just to be her sister. She needs those to be her parents so she can be Juliet's sister. Right. Um, also, those guys are wealthy and they don't embarrass right. her as much as her parents. Right. Who, you know, so. She's going to say the wealth had an aspect too with the trips and everything. Yeah. But well, also, and there's so much parents- shame about being poor. Oh, completely. But the Humes also encourage Paul to dream. They encourage her to dream. They encourage it. Like when they talk about like, you know, like, uh, you know, Deborah is going to have a baby and, you know, like Dr. Especially uh, Mrs. Dr. Dr. Slutty Mom, Dr. (laughs) Slutty Mom is like, aren't you clever? Yeah, yeah she's actually like she praises her. She mm. praises talking to her about her story. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sluts are supportive. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, dream girl. Just don't yeah. interrupt my sex. Yeah. And we're gonna have problems. Yeah. <laughs> Which is definitely That's her true. reason for going out of the country. She was like, yeah, your dad's been busy with a lecture, and I can just swing around Europe and get me some. Get it? Oh gosh, what a mess. I, I Dr. Just really- Hume Dick. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the egg and salmon sandwiches right from the top. Oh, that really God. tells you the everything old you need to ass know. Sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and he God. puts back in his pocket. Yeah. No, I hated that part. Also, the oh. idea of multiple names was really fascinating. So many names. She's Gina. She's, Gina, she's Paul. Um, but she's also... She's, what? Uh, Yolanda? Yvonne. Yvonne. Yeah, Yvonne. I didn't start with a Y. She acted up the most she Charlie Gina. at some point? Didn't she? Gina is like, definitely... Gina. Damn, Gina. Like, she was not... <laughs> My name is Gina. I was like, oh, okay, girl. We it just... was Deborah and... And then the other girl. Charles. Charles. Yeah, yeah, Charles. Yeah. Charles was the... the, the, the Prince guy? Yeah. Sorry. I wrote it all down. Uh, yeah. So Deborah and Charles were married. Then they had baby Diello. Diello. Yeah. Wow. Um, and grew up real fast. And who was (laughs) Charles when she liked Nicholas, who was John? Yeah. Yeah. Did she have a name that she used then? No. Was she just Paul? Because he was, he was, John was calling her by her middle. Was he calling her Yvonne? Yeah. He called, he only referred her as Yvonne. And then she called him John and Nicholas. Yeah. And he, I like Nicholas better, which is like, that's a boss move. Yeah. I don't like your name. I'm changing it now. <laughs> Deal with so it. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a lot of people these days. <laughs> I just love this movie because the movie has so much compassion for these young women who find their power in fantasy. Yes. That's, it's like they have no other avenue through which to like grab their power. They have to be creative. They have to escape into fantasy worlds because like that fucking travelogue that opens the movie, everything in Christchurch, everything about their lives, whether they're rich or poor is so regimented and so straight and narrow that they have no choice but to escape into this world. Well, if, they, they're, I, if they're going to have any secrets of their own, if they're going to have any kind of interior life, and mm-hmm. though it ends really badly, it just I just love that this movie well, cares about them. Well, they're so strong, too, because I feel like they never are hiding it either. Like, mm. they, no. they really are, like, out front and center, the hand-holding in the car, being who they are, like... They never have any angst about what's going on between the two of them. Oh, they Kate never seems seem fucking bonkers. From right. The but like they don't <laughs> seem scared of who they are as people mm-hmm. like in the, she, all the shittiness created for them is created by the adults in their lives. It's true. The adults literally are like, just go write your book. Yeah. We'll leave you alone. Come down for dinner. Everything would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't act up. Don't pursue your yeah. dreams. Please don't fall in love with this girl. Yeah. And the, the moment where, um, for a minute, Paul forgets about, 
um, Juliet when she's kind of having her thing with John. Right. Uh, and she doesn't write back, uh, for the first time while, uh, Juliet's in the hospital. And it, it's still. She gets the look. <laughs> there's this stunning moment where Juliet's like, you know, is he the reason that you didn't write me? As a 14 year old, I would never have the courage to ask. I would never have had the courage to ask. They are so open and like available to one another. And I think like every time we get to that final cue card where it's like a condition of uh, their being together is that they can uh-huh. never talk to each other again. I'm like, did they break it? Cause I would have <laughs> to find a phone number, like come back to me. What's going on? Well, what are you going to do? I mean, oh my God. Go I, to France. We'll just go to another country. How could you possibly <laughs> exactly. enforce this? Right. You know, I know she doesn't, where do they send her? Puerto Rico? We'll go down to like Colombia or something. It's warm. You'll be fine. Your health will be okay. I can swim. <laughs> Whatever. The fact that they're not together, like, and I know it's awful because they actually murdered a person. I love that they, they killed someone and you're like, I want them to end up together. I, I like, really you want the Bridget Jones of it all. I sympathize <laughs> way too much with murderers and it really bothers me. I'm watching Hannibal. Like, yes. Oh my God, Kate kind of has Hugh Grant's haircut. Is this it? This is <laughs> She does a little bit. No, this is, you know, look, Brendan talked about Bridget Jones. This is like Bridget Jones's diary. This is mm-hmm. Pauline Parker's diary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so great. It is. And it starts with a New Year's resolution, just like Bridget Jones. Sure does. And don't give a young girl a journal every year if you don't want her to be writing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lesson learned. Okay, true or false? Now listen. I love that. I feel I like you know everything Don't about this write. movie. Don't write. another journal. I feel like you know everything about this movie. So um, we're just. Mark going made to- us not look things up. Yeah, by the way. and I actually stuck to that today. <laughs> Me too. Okay, thank you. I listen to Daddy. All right. <laughs> Daddy says so. We did. So old. I'm so old. All right. True or false? Was there a Simpsons episode based on this movie? True. True. The answer is true. Episode 429, Lisa the Drama Queen. Emily Blunt played Juliet, and they created a world called Equalia, a world where everyone is equal. It's so beautiful. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons, but um, I plan on catching up on all 45 seasons. (laughs) You didn't do the binge when it came out on FX? Listen. I love a no. great binge. They were oh, like I love a binge. six weeks okay, of just The Simpsons. I was like, Count do you me mean in. episode like season four, episode yes. 29, or mm-hmm. is it 429? Because aren't there like 600 episodes? There are. Mark? I'm sorry? <laughs> you said episode 429. Does that mean season four, episode 29, or is know. it the 420? I'm just curious no to know idea. how early in the run they did it's it. It's got to be was the 429th episode. Yeah, season four would have been in like 91 or 92. It was uh, way in the there. The Simpsons started in 1989. Yeah. So, yeah, we would have been like 91, 92. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been before that. Okay. And I don't think Emily Blunt was like, I don't think Emily Blunt was like a thing. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot about it. Okay, Emily. we're here. We're back together. Yeah. All right. True or false? Juliet. Grew up to be a famous romance writer. True. True. False. <laughs> she grew. That was a trick question. It was, it was a trick. She's a writer. She grew up to be a writer. She gr- right? Her, she, her name. She crime changed, novels. She, yes. Bing. She changed her name that. to Anne Perry, and she is a best-selling mystery author oh, with oh over with over seventy books. Yeah, listen, everybody. There are interviews with her, and they are freaking creepy. Like, and I was watching them before the show started. We were like, "What?" Because she's like a full normal person, and she's very much processed and dealt with yeah. the fact that she participated in a murder and talks about it with Jeez. the calmest coolest collective. Like, this is what happened, and this is how I've grown since then. What year? And yeah, she's been in prison. Wild. Never mind. Um, I was going to ask what year it was. It's 54. 
Have any of her novels been turned into movies? I don't know that and question. Possibly TV, but I don't know. I'm not sure. We, that we don't have to look up. I will do that. All right. True or false? Thanks, Her novels have been turned into. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. Just hijack this game, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Heavenly Creatures is one of three films based on the Parker Hume murder case. I'm going to say true. False. The answer is false. <gasps> there are only two films based on the Parker Hume murder case. <laughs> don't deliver us from evil. That's the one I have. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or, as the French call it, ne nous délivrez pas du mal. Say it again. Ne nous délivrez pas du mal. Yeah, daddy. It's getting steamy in here. My God. It is actually really hot as balls in here. Yeah. It is a 1971 French horror film that was rated X for, I don't know what, maybe sex? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like anything, like, back in the day, they'd be like, X. Just to like, and they'd be like, yeah. But I think you could still sell X-rated movies, right? It wasn't like an American I had to buy it on like, yeah. I had a, like nothing. Yeah. My friend Kara recommended that movie because she knows this case, mm-hmm. uh, the, like the real life case. And she's like, you need to watch this movie. I can't even remember the name of the site. I found a DVD <laughs> copy of it on. Yeah. I, I we, mean, we're going to do it for the show, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. We absolutely should. Yeah. Um, and Joel, you should come back for I'm that one. You actually it. should, yeah. Yeah, because uh, I've never seen this movie. It's like yeah. a whole... The DVD cover's ridiculous. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's like really lingerie. In, yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, oh is it like Tripping the Velvet's cover? I don't know if you kind guys... Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. It has, it, it's got that flavor. I love um, it. That's <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> should Joel and I remake the cover Ooh, of the DVD? yes. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Please do. Please do. Get you silk. Just drip silk over the Hide the to Instagram now. Do it. Real quick. Ann Perry's novel, The Cater Street Hangman, was made into a TV movie in 1998. Wow. Here for her. Make that money In the UK, and it was directed by a woman. Yes. And she killed her after. I'm sorry. No, she's she's grown up to... She's not she's, be any listen, more Rick Kelly. It sounds like she turned her life around and thank goodness. And that's, you know, very good. Right. Redemption. Um, and, <laughs> I just somebody light like, up on you. I somebody it. passed out on their microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, and also, yeah, like I speaking of the real case, I have forever wanted to read. Pauline's actual diary because like oh, they told oh, yeah. so much so many chunks of the movie are based on actual or they're from her actual diary I'm like okay so that means it's published or how I mean I'm, I my guess is it. they went and got the court documents I guess they did and just got scanned pieces of it is my guess although in Ebert's review he does say they took a ton of liberties in the writing so I wonder how much is actually from the diary and how much they were like making Connecting it the flourish and polish because the way in which she spoke, the very dramatic 13-year-old whose knowledge supersedes their age mm-hmm. was was believable. But sometimes I was like, well, maybe somebody older did write that. So I don't know. Right. I, if Listeners, if any of you out there have an inside line on how to get Seriously. a hold of these things, yes. please, If you just want to send me a please. PDF document, yes. that would be the peak. But you know, us, if you have a link or whatever. We'll hit us up on do. Twitter or Instagram. We would be uh, so happy. <laughs> um, just ship it to me. I'll give you my address. One final question. The girls were both, the girls, meaning uh, Winslet and Linsky, were both so absorbed by their roles during shooting that they kept on acting as Pauline and Juliet after filming had wrapped. Oh, that's true. Or true. False? true. True. They're true. fucking nuts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. No, listen. Kate, I, Winslet, I mean, Kate, Winslet, Titanic. Kate Winslet goes 
whole hog in the like oh, I mean like literally oh, yeah. she when she makes her like other entrance at her house in that like fairy princess outfit yeah. on the bridge and she's twirling around I was like she's channeling some Miss Piggy shit like right, she's just, <laughs> she is feeling she is feeling some kind of Miss Piggy fantasy oh, hell yeah. that is just and she's like ah, crazy like she's just like running. I mean it's like crazy and you know. And she has no shame. It's all abandoned. God, I love Kate. Dykes love Miss Piggy. God damn it. How could you not? Well, how could you not? Gay boys like Miss Piggy. Plus size and loud and in charge. She was once the editor of Vogue. Like, I stand Miss Piggy. Oh my God. I'm like two or three of those things. (laughs) 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 You just need a set of pearls and you're on your way. Apparently, like a frog. So listen, I mean, <laughs> little twink. That's a little twink. Okay, we all. I've already fucked a Kermit. I already know. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. All right, guys. Okay, I think I think we have to go out. So, kids, if you're listening, find your Kermit. Find your Kermit and fuck him, so you know. Once and for all, that you're really whether or not where you fall on the Kinsey scale. That was Michael. That was my. That's not literally a snort. Literally a snort. I'm just thinking about the scrawl on the episode saying the title being "Find Your Kermit and Fuck It." Okay. Uh, all right. So, Good in time. conclusion, Heavenly Creatures, we love you. Peter Jackson, we love you. We love that whole cast. We love everything, so many things about it. I mean, I love everything about this movie. I don't know about you guys. Does it deserve a pride float? Oh, God, yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. For, specifically, for the children. <laughs> like, and, and also, okay, hold on. This is some- such a small, tiny rant. Uh, I went to Pride last year here for the first time. It's the biggest I'm disappointment sorry. of my yeah. entire existence. <laughs> Chicago Pride is it popping? The best fucking days ever. It's free. You can just go in. Everything is accessible. It's really cool. The Floats are actually gay folks instead of like a bunch of straight people pandering to other straight people in the street. Oh, wow. The worst time of my Light life. The fuck up, bitch. Bring yes. amazing heavenly creature float. So the young lesbian girls are like, yes, it would just be like a whole library and girls twirling in like long dresses and, and like, and then I would put on some dykes up there just because we need the flavor. Like just. Season it up with like a whole array spectrum of lesbians, but also good books, and that would be my heavenly bloody brick. handing out journals to the crowd. Oh, oh. yes, standing yes. on a big bloody brick too, and fountain <laughs> pens. I love right, it. it would be done. It was sold. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and a lot of like float. scones and shit. Oh. <laughs> they ate a lot in the movie, like a lot of bread in the movie. That's true. Which I'm all, a lot of like buttered stuff. Yeah, real women. They, that won't we go ate a lot of, at LA we Pride. Nobody's got to sit tight. They're like, we ate a lot of bread and butter last night. We oh, we did. did. Yeah, we really uh, went through. That was bomb. Tor- okay, first of all, y'all, Michael pulled out this baguette, <laughs> and he was like, "Look at this big dong of bread I have." <laughs> oh my god! We were like, "You mean a baguette?" And he was like, "Yeah." Oh, is that what it's called? Oh my god! It's a dong on the bag. And Ralph's uh. <laughs> <laughs> bread dongle. Uh. All right. Well, 
You guys, oh thank you God. so much. Thank Joelle, you so, Joelle, much. so much for being here. This Where? is such a fun room. I really like Yay. it here. Well, that's why come you need back. to come back for yes, Don't Deliver Us for Tea. Yeah. Literally that. anytime, guys. Okay. Um, where, where can we find yes. you on the, the media of social? Yes. Uh, I am everywhere, but mostly Twitter is where I live. You can find me there 24-7, 365. <laughs> I wake up at 3 a.m. L.A. time, so I'm usually on there by 4. Oh uh, <laughs> What's your account? Uh, Joelle Monique. Just at Joelle Monique, all one word. Uh, uh, I'm also on IG, Joelle underscore Monique. And then uh, the crew at Pajiba, come say hello. We have like the best chats ever. I'm recapping The Magicians, which again, if you ship Quentin and Elliot, come find me so I can talk about my murderous love rage for these two <laughs> people. They're so perfect together. I know he's evil, but I want it. Um, also, I'm recapping, uh, oh God, what, the, the Passage, which has so many beautiful black women doing so many dope jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, come talk to me about how many more of that. I just read a recap of yours on that. Oh, yeah. And then didn't you just have something published on The Hollywood Reporter? Am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was that? It was like an essay, right? Yes. About the trilogy. On some kind of yes, yes, it was on the Glass trilogy, and yes, and it was great. Thank you so Beautiful much. Reading. I worked yeah. soups hard on that piece. And um, if you give people a little, just like your quick thesis, so they know what yeah what they, for the what they would be reading. Uh, basically, I peel apart the ways uh, Glass fails uh, victims of sexual assault and anyone who generally. Like, like, even it fails a ton of their characters. You, you've got okay. a young kid who isn't given much of a life. You have a young woman who's sexually assaulted but doesn't get powers like every single other person in the film. Right. Frustrating but beautiful. Check it's it out. It's a great read. I read it last week and I was like, okay. Thank you. Yeah, it was a really great read. And it's so cool to just, I don't know, a lot of people go to see films and granted, sometimes it's an escape, but it's mm-hmm. also great to read just those kind of articles because it really breaks the movie down from a social level and it's important films are politics you can't separate them and if you try you will die (laughs) well on that note uh, i just want to also do a footnote that i am calls pajiba pajiba in my my intro nobody knows how to say it it sounds like vagina you just have to embrace it (laughs) pajiba <laughs> there, I did it. Maker, where can we find you on social media? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake. That's B L A K K. Yeah, it is. Cupcake. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Michael Ken Ken. And uh, I'm Mark, and I can be found on Instagram at Senior Teen Brennan. Yeah, you can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod, and find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands. You guys, thank you so much. So fun. Thank Joelle, you, Joelle. Thank you. Thank you guys. We will see you next week. Bye. Yay, bye. Kermit the Frog.